0: This is T.M. Camp, and you're listening to the podcast edition of my novel, Assam and Darjeeling. Book One. Exiles. Chapter Twenty-Four. The Silver Bowl. G saw the swans again, twice more. They drifted down the river, "'flickering between black and white as they vanished into the mist. "'The mist grew thicker, spreading out from the water, "'eventually blotting out everything around them. "'The children walked on through a grey world bleached of colour and memory. G plodded along, almost as blind as her brother and supremely bored. "'For his part, Assam found the tedious silence maddening. "'At first he tried to get his sister to describe what she saw,' but she soon grew tired of answering his questions over and over again. Mist, water, sky, sand, all gray, was all she would say, and eventually he grew tired of hearing it as well. And so the silence, like the mist, closed in around them. Gradually the air grew colder as they walked. The chill mist reddened their cheeks and their breath swept out in plumes. The ground turned gray with frost a glaze of ice forming at the water's edge. The faint grass and scrubby weeds turned brittle. Soon patches of snow crept across the slope of the river bank, making their progress slippery and tricky. Gee zipped up her coat, wishing she still had her gloves. She squeezed her brother's hand for warmth as much as comfort. Why is it cold all of a sudden? His teeth chattered. I don't know, she told him. But it's winter again. What do you mean? What's happening? It just started snowing. The air was filling up with huge flakes, the ground disappearing beneath a layer of white. G glanced back over her shoulder, watching their tracks fill and fade behind them. There's snow everywhere, she told him. I can't see where we're going anymore. Can you still see the river? She nodded. "'Can you?' he asked again. She realized he didn't see her nod—couldn't see her. "'Yes.' "'Follow the river,' he told her. "'We're going where the river's going.' She didn't ask how he knew this. She was too bored and cold to argue. They kept walking, but it was slow going. The snow fell heavier by the minute, and she had to wipe it from her eyes every few steps. She kept her head down partially to keep the snow out of her eyes and partially to keep her eye on the water's edge. One misstep and they could plunge into the icy water or stray off in the other direction, losing their path in the snow. There was a sudden burst of wind over their heads, a powerful rush of wingbeats as a small flock of swans, presumably the same ones she'd seen earlier, swept down the land by the riverbank ahead of them. She gasped and let go of her brother's hand. ''What is it?'' he asked frantically. ''What's happening? What's wrong?'' G hushed him and turned back to watch the swan scramble awkwardly toward a dark figure standing at the river's edge. It was a woman, wrapped in a long, dark coat. She held a large silver bowl in her hands and was tossing out handfuls of something to the swan scrambling through the snow at her feet. The woman laughed at the greedy, comic frenzy of the birds, a bright and happy sound. She stopped and looked up, seeing the children standing a few yards away. Hello, she waved to them, tossing out another handful for the swans. She took her brother's hand, approaching cautiously. The woman was young, perhaps a few years younger than their mother. She had a kind face, framed with hair that was not quite black and not quite a bob. She wasn't particularly tall, and her long, dark cloak was richly embroidered at the neck and down the front with brilliantly colored thread and scrollwork that shimmered in the gloomy air. The woman tossed a few more handfuls from her bowl and smiled again to the children. "'They're so greedy,' she said. "'But it's hard for them to fend for themselves in the winter.' She reached into her bowl and tossed out another handful— G stopped in her tracks, staring in horror. The color red, like fresh blood, streaked and clotted the snow all around the young woman. Her hands, G saw, were stained and dripping with it. At her feet, the swans gobbled greedily at the gruesome feast. The woman followed G's gaze, cocking her head to one side in confusion. Then she laughed. Oh dear, she said brightly. I expect this must look pretty awful, huh? G shook her head. Behind her, Assam was whispering. Who is it? What's going on? G squeezed his hand to silence him, keeping her eyes on the woman. We're sorry to bother you, ma'am. The woman smiled. It's no bother at all. You're lucky you found me out here. I just came down to feed the swans. She gestured to G Come on and say hello. They won't bite. G looked at the very large birds rooting through the red streaked snow. She thought that biting was exactly what they would do. The woman held out the bowl to G. Would you like to feed them? Despite herself, G looked in the bowl. It was about half full of little iridescent scarlet beads that sparkled like jewels. It's not blood? It was more of a statement than a question. Long ago, G watched few bits of a vampire movie on television once, before her father came in and told her to change the channel. But it had left her with certain impressions, opinions, and theories about people who wore long, dark coats. Blood? Oh no, the woman, who was becoming less and less vampirish every second, laughed again. I don't think that, as bad as the winter might get, the swans would ever turn carnivorous. Besides, she added, That would be yucky, and I wouldn't look forward to feeding them quite so much. What are you feeding them? Pomegranate seeds, the woman replied. Behind her, G felt Assam stiffen. The woman looked up at the sky. I expect this is going to get worse before it gets better. I was just thinking of heading back up to the house for a cup of tea. Would the two of you like to join me? She smiled kindly it's going to be hard going for a while what with the storm and i'd welcome the company g nodded we'd like that she said despite her brother frantically squeezing her hand excellent the woman turned and smiled g saw that on the hill above the river sat a large house a mansion really squat and stone and massive surrounded by trees stripped bare by winter it might have even been a palace Following the woman up the hill, Assam leaned forward and whispered, Where are we going? She didn't hesitate. To the Winter Palace for tea. Back down at the river's edge, the swans searched listlessly through the snow. After a while, they gave up and flew off, still flickering between black and white against the slate-gray sky. You've been listening to Assam and Darjeeling, written and performed by TM Camp. A new chapter from the book is available each week, free to download at the iTunes Store. To find out more about Assam and Darjeeling, to read my weblog, or to send me your questions and feedback, visit my website at www.tmcamp.com. I hope to hear from you. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon. This podcast was written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, or otherwise reproduced without his express written permission. To receive permission, handwrite your request on a single sheet of paper and fold it carefully into a clean white envelope addressed to the attention of the author. Place the envelope outside the back door of your home and wait for a response. Don't worry. The foxes know where to find him.